business and people. Your host, Walt Bayless. Let's get this show started. Hey everyone, this is Walt Bayless with the Business and People podcast. I'm unbelievably excited to have the man that's going to solve the problems for startup owners, for founders, for entrepreneurs. This is a gentleman that takes business owners and in his words, puts wheels on their dreams. This is the gentleman that has founded the Clearbox Strategies and is actually the man that brings leads and lead generation to startups and to businesses. It is a great honor and a pleasure to introduce you to Mr. Clay Posey. Clay, thanks so much for joining us. Well, I really appreciate you having me. Thanks for making me time on your show. Hey, it's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure. Now, I can see you're at home at the moment, Clay, so I appreciate you taking the time out from family life. You've built Clearbox from, from a, I guess, a need. We started that back, it looks like, a, seven or eight years ago now. How did that come together as Clearbox Strategies, as a, you know, a, 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 a team of people that gets behind entrepreneurs and helps them get their own businesses started? How did you put that together for yourself? Well, Clearbox, it really grew out of, I think, the way a lot of businesses start. I was solving my own problems. Right. I needed people to talk to. I had been in the consulting space for a while and had worked on a med tech startup that was really, really interesting and really, really exciting. But the same problem that everybody faces is you've got to have people to talk to. You've yeah. got a great story to tell, but you've got to have people to talk to. And I had that problem myself. And so I went to work solving it and really sort of backed into Clearbox from there and, and went from being... Uh, a guy with a good idea and a, and a domain that I bought to actually have in a, a company. Wow, that's so cool. And so now years on, I mean, uh, the, the, the whole process with Clearbox, being a business owner myself, one of the, you, you've hit the nail on the head with, with the strategy there because so many business owners are technicians, aren't they? they? They're really good at what they do. They're good at plumbing or building houses or you know, whatever it is that is their world. But the funnel in terms of having a constant source of leads coming through is the thing that keeps most business, business owners up at night, right? Absolutely. And uh, I talk about that in terms of people have their craft skill, yeah. what they're good at. And it doesn't matter if your craft is being a medical doctor or if you're a carpenter, that's, yep. that's the craft, uh, and you're an expert at it, most people don't necessarily pick up the business skills along the way. Mm. My craft happens to be those business skills. So yeah, that's, nice. that's kind of where we came from. And so it's, it's uh, clearboxstrategies.com. How many people on the team now, Clay? So we've got seven people on the team besides myself. Yep. Now, um, I handle all the, the marketing and sales in addition to wearing the admin hat. Everybody else that I have is an expert in content creation of one form or another or the technology that we use. Yeah, nice, nice. On content creation, so uh, as I mentioned, I'm a business owner. We, we run a tech company as well. And, and the, the uh, catch cry in the last, I guess, 24 months has been content creation, creating content and, and naturally attracting the right audience for your for your for your wares. It's a long, it's a long-term game though, isn't it, Clay? Like it's not publish an article today, get a hundred leads tomorrow. Yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. You're, you're definitely playing the long game when you're, when you're doing content creation. And then the other side of the content coin is not only do you have to create that really interesting content, but you got to land it in front of the right folks. Yeah, right. Exactly. So it's the right message in front of the right audience using the right medium, I guess, getting that uh, three M's in place. Yeah, and the only other thing I'd add to that is at the right time, but then I break your model because that's a T and not a <laughs> We can have the triple M T. It sounds like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, um, Clay, as, as you've been building, like, 
I would imagine that most business owners come to you uh, at the end of their rope. And correct me if I'm wrong. Like they they get to the point where they're going, man. If I don't get some new sales coming through, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna go under. Do you find a lot of people come to you in that position? That's it. Yeah, they come to me, um, and some of them come to me a little too late. We've had yep. that happen. They're they're at the end of the runway, and they've already got the front wheels hanging off. They're done. But yep. uh, yeah, everybody has to get through their own pain threshold of I got to have some help. You got a wonderful mousetrap and nobody to sell it to. So I was going to say, a lot of the people that are listening, they're entrepreneurs, they're business owners, they're, they're getting started or, you know, they're, they're target-driven individuals. Would you suggest as a, I guess, a rule of thumb to put some strategies in place before you get to that end of the runway? Like, let's, let's see if we can make sure you've got a steady flow of people coming through before you, before you need to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the key is... And, you know, that really applies across all the business systems that you use. You get your accounting systems in place before you have money to push through. You yeah, right. Figure out your hiring policies before you actually need the employees. And I start hiring employees. I hire employees before I really have a job for them to do. Yeah, right. In, in, a, in a lot of cases. And it's kind of scary to do that. But if I wait until I need video to start going and looking for a video guy, then I'm behind the curve the whole time. And I end up settling and still really making a good hire. Yeah, good point. Same thing with leads. You got to, you've got to start fishing before you're hungry. Uh, an old book from back in the 80s written by Harvey McKay, who used to be in the envelope business, he wrote a book called Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. Yeah, that so, makes so much sense, doesn't it? So what's, the, what's the, um, the process that you go through with a business owner? They knock on your door. They've got a great mousetrap, as we said. You know, they've designed a widget or they're in a particular space. And they say to you, Clay, I need some leads. What do you do with that person? Well, I start by trying to really understand what their offering is, whether it's a service or a product or a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we try to define as much as we can what their perfect customer looks like. It helps if they already have some customers because then we know who's actually paid money for whatever they're doing. Yep. And, and we try to develop out of that. This is not a lot of people stop here, but where we really start is we're developing that what you might call a persona. Mm try to really define, okay, who is the perfect person to buy my product or service? And it doesn't matter if it's B2C or B2B, we do it the same way. Um, and then once we do that, we start trying to, um, to locate people that fit that model, that, that fit that person. If they need help with their offering, I'll help make sure that their, their pricing is on point, that their descriptors are on point, that they make whatever it is engaging. Um, but it's really figuring out who is the perfect person to buy whatever it is that you're selling. Are there different models for different types of businesses, Clay? Like, so I, I probably know the answer to this personally, but I'm asking for the benefit of the audience. Are there, is there a one-size-fits-all one kind of approach with lead generation or does every business need a tailored approach? It's, there's some basic principles that always apply, yep. but at the end of the day, it's a bespoke process. Yeah, sure, because everybody's clients are different, right? Right, Exactly. So everybody's clients are different. Everybody's client needs to to hear things a little bit differently. Yeah. You know, people come to me and they're like, well, should I be on Facebook? And my answer is always, well, maybe. Because <laughs> Okay. It's a good answer. Not on Facebook, then there's really no point you being there. If the yeah, people right. that you speak with are not listening there, you need to figure out where they're listening. So it, it really does become a, a bit of a bespoke process as we work through it with a client. Let's, let's bounce a couple of scenarios off you, Clay. So 
um, in the scenario where you have, and, and you know, if, if, I've, if you don't really work in this sector, tell me, but if you've got the local business guy, so maybe we're talking about a builder or, a, you know, I know you had some experience yourself in, in home renovations and se- setting up a, a bootstrap company there for home renos around the, the Chattanooga area. Um, but you, let's start with that kind of person. And, and they're looking for, I guess, businesses around them. They're not really interested in, you know, a client from overseas and that kind of stuff. Are you, are you still doing a content strategy with them? Are you still doing a digital marketing strategy with them? Or is that more of a, you know, letterbox drop kind of environment? No, we still, we still do digital. I found digital is generally a broad term, but generally the best medium for people to use because you can actually measure what you're doing. Yeah. I can, I can look at a digital strategy and I can see how many people we delivered a message to and then how many people reacted to it. And then out of those, how many of them ended up turning into a meeting and ultimately turning into a sale. So you can track ROI very, very closely and you know exactly what your return on investment is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if it's a local builder, we'll still put them on, on social media. We'll put them in a Google AdWords campaign. But we geofence that. We designate what target area geographically. That's one of the first things we do is define where these ads are going to show. If you're a plumber in Chattanooga, Tennessee, in the USA, I really don't need leads in Sydney, Australia. It's no, it's true. It's hard to fix the pipes from that far away. Um, so that then answers the local question. And then I guess we expand from there. You know, if, if, if a local geographically uh, pertinent area is it's still going to be a digital campaign, then I guess everybody's going to be that digital world, right? So we, we find where the customers are and we put the messages in front of them. What's been the, um, uh, we've seen Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Google ads, you know, all of these kind of mediums coming through over the last, uh, you know, 10 years or so, Clay. What's been the one that surprised you the most? Surprised me. Um, I'm really surprised with how many leads we're able to generate off of Instagram. Yeah, Okay. Most of my clients are um, are older. Yeah, they're not the um, they're not the the younger group. The, I don't want to use a bad word to say millennials, but I don't <laughs> have a better word to substitute there. So that they don't really fit that profile of someone who you would think would be on Instagram, and yet we find that actually there's a good many folks that are even boomers like myself that um, that that are on Instagram and they respond to messages there, respond to marketing messages there. Mm, mm, Absolutely. I think like as we look at those tech purchases, Google buying YouTube all those years ago for a billion dollars and everybody went, that can't be right. And then, you know, you realize how much of a smart play that was. Facebook with the same with Instagram, Facebook being the place where photos were shared and then suddenly Instagram's just taken that over. That's That's an interesting point. So how important is it for a business owner to have a presence on these platforms. And, you know, somebody that you're talking to as, or, you know, somebody that's listening right now, they, they might be sitting there saying, Clay, yeah, but I'm not really an Instagram guy. Can they still advertise on those platforms if they're not active? Well, uh, you can. We like to do both the organic and, um, and the paid placements, the paid ads, because that generates better results and you're going to generate follow- followers. To go back to your original example, if you've got a guy who specializes in doing really knockout kitchens, for folks, Instagram, there's not a better platform out there for him because he can actually showcase his work there and we can hone in whether he may want to broadcast that and have as many people as possible see it, or he may want to hone in on a very specific group of folks that he wants to do to see that ad and we can do that very, very precisely for him. Yeah, right. Amazing. Now, Clay, you mentioned a word that makes my hair stand up on end. It's something that I've been terrible at in my entire life and that's tracking. How important is 
tracking in terms of spending money on ads and getting leads coming through? Well, we use the tracking a couple of ways. First of all, if I have a client, I want to show them that I'm bringing more money into their business than they're spending with me. Mm. Uh, we have at Clearbox, we have a 93% client retention rate. Happy days. And, and that's because we make them more than, they, than we cost them. That, so, that alone, that, that, that word alone, I just want to pause you for a second. I don't mean to interrupt your flow, Clay, but those, those words alone hopefully are going to get people hitting your box right now from listening to this podcast. You make them more than they spend with you. I mean, that's, that's every business owner's dream. Well, it's, um, we try to live up to that. We're not perfect, but we, we, you know, and then we lay the occasional egg. I've put campaigns up and taken them down in three days because we got no results on them at all. Um, but, but we track it to be able to prove ROI back to our clients. And we want our clients to understand that their, their marketing dollars are well spent. Whatever you do, whether you design software or whether you, you go out and you dig ditches for a living, you work hard to get those dollars that are in your pocket. We just want to make sure those are well, well invested. Yeah, sure. So, so tracking that, you know, at what, what level does it get to? Because, and again, I can only talk from personal opinion, uh, personal experience. I've, I've done Facebook campaigns and I've done YouTube campaigns and I've done Google AdWords campaigns and I've switched them on and I've switched them off. And as I mentioned, you know, hands up in the air, I've, you know, been terrible at that tracking. Um, what, uh, how do you get to the point of knowing when it's a winner and when it isn't it? Is it just simply, hey, we made $1,000 and only spent 500 great, it's a winner? Or are you tracking at a more granular level than that? No, we track at a, we track at a granular level. Um, if we're doing an email campaign, for example, if, if we have folks that are clicking on that, we're looking at those individuals. Um, we get their email address that, you know, however that email address came into the database, we're going to look at that email address and then try to aggregate a profile of, of what that person looks like. What does their Facebook profile look like? What does their LinkedIn profile look like, especially for B2B? And, and try to develop a pretty robust understanding of who is it that's actually engaging with your ads. Because the more I know about them, what they like, what they don't like, even things that may be unrelated to your business, we find as, as our data sets get large that there are correlations there that you wouldn't necessarily think of. Mm. Mm. I guess like if you, if you have a cross-section of people that are, uh, you know, one person likes, I don't know, diving with sharks, well, that's just their like. But if... 50% of your audience suddenly are also showing up in the likes diving with sharks thing, then you know that you've got a, an opportunity to cross market to a different sector that you hadn't thought of before. Exactly. You're, you're spot on with that. And then what we can actually do is, is we can, through our targeting through, through Facebook, is we can say, okay, Facebook, we want you to show this to people who like diving with sharks. Yeah, right. And, and suddenly you've got that opening where that diving with sharks audience has that whole extra sector that you hadn't been able to open up before. So do you tailor the content then to the diving with sharks audience? Or do you, and, and you know, let's stay with kitchens as the example. So we found out that people who are remodeling their kitchens have a 50-50 uh, correlation with those who are diving with sharks. Weird, but somehow we found that out. Right. So do you do you then market to the diving with sharks group with shark related content or do you keep the kitchen related content going into the shark related group? It's a mix of both. Yeah. So if, if we're nurturing that lead along, um, we'll show them content that may be totally unrelated to our client's business. Wow. OK. And just bringing them back. It's related to that prospect. It's related to that person. And it's really a one to one kind of thing. 
Um, if you have something that you're interested in and I can serve you something useful about that, I've now become a valuable resource to you over and above whatever my product or service offering is. Nice. And then you get that kind of trust moving forward and, and, and bringing the people into the flow. Um, so Clay, what are, what are some of the mistakes that business owners and entrepreneurs are making when they are starting down the lead generation process? Um, the biggest mistake that I see people make is they don't ever get a strategy. Okay. They, 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 they just they, throw they, money and hope? They just, yeah, spray and pray. They, <laughs> they throw a lot of stuff against the wall and hope something sticks. Or they respond to, you know, somebody comes in and they've got the latest, greatest advertising product. And so they just buy that and start doing that tactic without there being thought, any thought as to how that relates to everything else. And mm. that's, that's why strategies is part of our name is we start with that overall strategy in mapping out how we're going to try to get to these people. And unless you say no to, to opportunities that might on the surface look like a great deal, but if they don't fit the strategy, we'll set those to the side and try to stay on task with what we're doing. So how do you develop that strategy then, Clay? Like I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that there's, there's a business owner in the car right now, they're listening to the podcast and they're going, okay, great, I'm ready. What's a strategy? Like how do you define that with a client? Well, we sit down with them. Again, we want to first get a good understanding of what the client is or who the client is. We want a good, a good understanding of what their product is. And then we may actually at that point go away and just do a little research on what that, um, what that ideal buyer looks like. We'll do research on our own to find out where they're listing, where they, where they spend their time, where they spend their money, and then come back to that business owner and say, these are the channels that we understand that you need to be going through. Right. Whether, that, whether that's email or whether that's LinkedIn or whether that's YouTube or whatever it is. And, and then we start running campaigns and we test relentlessly. Mm. That's the thing. Once we start down a tactic, we're going to test that tactic and we're going to give a couple of options. So we may run one version of a campaign that some people are seeing on Facebook and then we're running a different version of the same campaign that another group of people see that are similar and we see which one performs the best. And you, you split test that again and split test that again? Yeah, it's, a, it's very much an iterative process. It's just over and over and over. And we test the buttons and we test where the text is and where the, where the pictures show. Um, wow. We find hands down video is a huge producer for us uh, when we create video content. Wow, that's amazing. So I think like most of the business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, people that I know, when they hear that kind of detail that they need to go into with testing, that's why they don't do it. And, and I guess that's why people like yourself have such a valuable place in the marketplace because the businesses go, I, 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 just, I don't have the time. I'm too busy fixing houses or I'm too busy releasing my software. I'm too busy keeping my team in line. There's no way that I'm going to test which side of the screen the button should be on in, in terms of which get, you know, getting better results. And that's, that's where you fit in, right? It is. And we really become that, um, that outsource marketing department for yeah, small right. So most people can't go out tomorrow. Most, most of our clients could not go out tomorrow and hire a team of eight or 10 people uh, to go to work in their company to do everything that we do. Yeah. And, and if they could, it would be an astronomical expense. But what we've done is put together the team of experts yep. um, and then they source us on an as needed basis. So they're paying a fraction of what they would pay if they tried to put these people in place on their own. I love it. And I was, um, I was interviewing one of our, our other rock star guests uh, a little while ago, somebody named Keely White, who actually has a, um, a C-suite for hire kind of business. And she was saying that, you know, having that executive team for hire, okay, w this is your business, great. They come in at a C-suite level and, and, you know, 
without having to have a, a, you know, chief operating officer and a chief of technology and a chief of whatever and a chief of whatever, they have that. And so what you have there is that complete marketing suite that anyone at any level can tap into, which I think is, which is absolutely fascinating. Clay, for yourself, from a personal point of view, what have you, what have you learned uh, as you've set up the Clearbox Strategies group that you, you didn't know before that you've had to go through a learning curve yourself as a business owner now, as a CEO, as a founder? Well, I think the biggest learning curve for me was really coming up to speed on the technology um, and, and understanding that, yeah, Facebook is, um, is a pastime for a lot of people. It's a great way to kind of just get lost and turn your brain off for a while. Mm. But there's a huge amount of science and, and data science that goes in behind that. And getting my arms around what artificial intelligence means in the digital space today, what um, what big data means in the digital space today, and just trying to keep current on that. That's that's my constant learning curve with what I, I do now. I noticed those two those two buzz terms when I was doing some research on you with big data and AI, artificial intelligence, and how that relates now to marketing. Are you finding that the ability to tap into those things is giving you uh, a much more laser-focused approach to lead generation? It does, because in spite of the fact that we look at very large data sets, because when you look at large data sets, trends emerge. Mm. And it's like you talked about earlier with diving with sharks. Yep. That's not, that's not a corollary that you would necessarily make to a, to a product or service offering, but you find out that's a commonality among your audience. Mm. But when we target ads, um, we try not to broadcast. We try to be very laser-focused on what we do. Mm. Um, if, if you're a business owner, you don't need me to talk to 10,000 people because if I brought you 10,000 customers, on the one hand, you think, well, that'd be lovely. But on the other hand, it probably would blow your company apart. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Exactly. So, so what we're really interested in is finding those 10 people that are in the market to buy right now, and we want to talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. That reduces your cost. It reduces your time in your sales cycle because you're only talking to people who are actually really interested right now in what you're doing. They have a need that you and you alone can fill, and it gives you the opportunity to talk to well-qualified folks um, and shorten up your sales cycle, increase your revenue. If they're ready to buy, you've got better margins, and, and everybody wins all the way around, aside from the fact that your advertising spend also goes way down. Yeah, right. We routinely have customers that come to us and they're spending, um, we have one automobile dealership that we work with that they were spending $10,000 a month in digital advertising. We pulled their spend down to about $1,500 and yet we put an average of 28 buyers on their lot every month. Wow, they must be thrilled. Which for a small town automobile dealership, um, that's a lot of folks to come in and buy cars. Absolutely, especially for such a such a low level of spend. So. How do you, you mentioned that the, the big data and the AI have been the, the thing that you've had to learn and, and to keep up with that. How do you do that? Are you talking to experts yourself? Are you involved? Are you getting into seminars? Are you, you know, what education steps are you taking to keep in front of that curve? I'm, I'm doing a whole lot of reading. Um, I listen to and read everything I can get my hands on that Google uses because they're on the cutting edge of all that. Um, and that's, you know, I listen to podcasts like yours. I listen to anybody that's talking about AI, um, until my head explodes. Right. <laughs> then I go take a break for a while, but it's, it's a treadmill because that, the, the, the evolution in that space is so fast. Um, but it means now instead of focusing on keywords, we're focusing on context 
when we're, when we're building web pages for people. Uh, keywords are becoming passe because now everything, because it is artificial intelligence, uh, everything's focused on natural language. Most mm. of the time when you're searching, you're not typing in a list of keywords into Google. You're looking at your phone and you're saying, hey, Google, or hey, Siri, find me this. Yeah, sure, sure. So it's a different, it, it, just because of the way that we're interacting with technology, it's changed the way that you need to... Mike, hey, Google just popped up just in the background. Um, with, <laughs> is, um, um, so you're looking at more of the ways that it can actually interact with the marketing message itself rather than keyword stuffed, you know, um, keyword repeated seven times in the first paragraph kind of thing. It's, it's more about a, a natural uh, interaction. Exactly. Yeah. It's much more human than it was um, even six months ago, especially mm-hmm. even a year ago. Wow, cool. So, Clay, knowing what you know now and going back through, you've, you've worked in, um, as you said, a med tech startup. You've been in the building industry uh, with, with uh, a startup founding position in yourself. Um, you've worked in lots of different environments in, the, in high level. Knowing what you know now, what would you do differently starting your company um, with a little bit of experience under your belt? Um, the one thing that I would do is, uh, one, raise more money. Okay, all right. That's a good start. Raise, raise more. If I think I need, if I think I need five hundred thousand dollars, I need to go get a million because everything's going to cost more than you thought it was going to, and it's going to take longer than you thought. Right. Okay. Uh, so if I've got an opportunity to raise money, I'm going to raise money, and I'm going to iterate faster. The Tell faster, me about that. the faster you can go through your loops and, and come back. You know, you get your minimum viable product, you get it out there, and you test it. You find out what people love, what they hate. As soon as you can go to market, the marketplace will begin to tell you what you need to do. Mm. But that doesn't happen until you actually get to market. Yeah, sure, sure. And we we asked before about some of the mistakes that entrepreneurs and founders are, are making in the um, in the startup and before they they get to come and see you. Do you do you uh, take them through that market feedback loop system? Are you testing their offer in terms of are you putting out there what the clients are you know what your customers are wanting you to to come back in? And the follow up question from that is: Are you then helping those clients to pivot if they need to? Oh yeah, we do. We do. We work, we work on their whole business cycle. We do extensive, even with their existing customers, we go out and survey those customers. What did you love? What did you hate? What would you like to see next? Mm. Um, and we go back to, to founders and we get pushback from them. We tell yeah, them this is what we're saying they need. And they're like, no, I want to sell them this. And it's like, well, you're going to starve if you sell them that. But if you want to give them something that they're interested in, here's what your customers are telling you you need to be doing. Wow, interesting. So uh, often, well, let's let's not use the word often, but sometimes you're having people come to you saying, "Please, Clay, find me leads," and you're going back to them, going, "Look, I can I can't do it at a cost-effective level unless you actually change the fundamentals of of the way that you're approaching the market." Yeah, it happens, and uh, and sometimes that's a bit of a, a builder a bitter pill to swallow. Yeah, um, uh, all of us who are entrepreneurs, we all have a bit of an ego. And so it can kind of be a, a blow to your ego. And, yeah, sure. and, you know, it's for me, it's just being able to deliver that blunt message and, um, and tell them, you know, look, this is, this is my advice. You can take it or you can not take it. But, but every opinion we try to give, every recommendation we make, we try to back that up with data. We try to have some kind of science that we've done um, that we know what we're telling them is the truth, that we're not saying, well, this is, I think this will work or I hope this will work. But it's like, here's what our data shows is going to work for you. Yeah, right. Because otherwise, it's it's just another founder, another entrepreneur with another opinion, rather than the actual data driven market kind of feedback. Very, very cool. 
Clay, tell me something that uh, people might find interesting about you. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm a young grandfather. <laughs> nice. Okay. Awesome. Congrats. And, and she is, is, my granddaughter is absolutely the light of my life, and she's already three years old. And I, really I love that. John Maxwell said at a seminar, uh, grandchildren are God's gift, for, God's gift to parents for not killing their own children. Um, yeah, I would have to second that. <laughs> All right. So that's cool. Do you get to spend a bit of time with her? I do. I do. And that's going to change. She's moving a little way away. My, uh, my daughter has just had a major promotion, so they're going to be moving about, uh, about 1,000 miles away. So it'll be a short plane ride or a long drive, depending on how we want to do it. But, nice. Uh, I can see those frequent, those frequent flyer miles racking up for you as you're, as you're coming through. Clay, I, I'm, again, I, I know that I've caught you at home, and, and thank you so much for, for spending the time on the podcast. I won't take too much more of it. But um, as you're looking now at uh, Clearbox Strategies, What's the next kind of growth uh, for you? How do you see your company growing and, and, and moving forward to hit some of the goals that you've got? Well, the biggest way we're growing now is, is I've watched our customer base change. Mm-hmm. We started off talking to the very, very small companies and they're still with us and we still do a great job taking care of them. But as we've built our own data sets, as we've built our own use cases for the services that we offer, um, we've gone from, from those mom and pop um, sometimes medical practices. You don't think about that being mom and pop, but it kind of is. Um, we've gone from medical practices and g- local gyms and that kind of thing to now we're talking with um, with multinational companies. Yeah, beautiful. Figured out that that they need the same kind of expertise and they need the same kind of targeting that a small business does, just on a different scale and just with deeper wallets, I guess. And and yeah, they do have a little bit deeper pockets, which is a great way to go. Which is a great way to go. Um, Clay, if you don't mind, I've got a 60 ch- second challenge that I think our listeners would love to hear from you. So here's, here's the premise, here's the context of the challenge. You catch up with a friend who you haven't seen for a long time. And this person has been an employee for a long time of their life. And like you, they've now decided to go out on their own. They've started, they've started their own company. You're sitting down with them for a coffee and they say to you, Clay, I'm six months in. I'm really just, I'm excited. What's, what advice would you give to that friend to help them with their kind of first 12, to, 12 months to three years of their entrepreneur journey? 60 seconds. Wow. Um, 60 seconds. I think the biggest thing you have to do is have an absolutely clear vision. You have to absolutely be fearless about what you're doing. If you've got that vision and you believe in it, then you really do have to just absolutely persist. And you're going to, there are going to be days that you want to give up. There are going to be days that you're going to go back and you're going to say, I wonder if my old company will take me back because it was secure, it was safe, my paycheck showed up every week, and now the bills show up every week, but the paycheck doesn't always show up every week. And you just have to persist. We were six months in and we were about out of runway at Clearbox and uh, had actually told the one and only hire I had at that point that she needed to start polishing up her resume. Mm. And um, at that point, I buckled down. I made a couple of fundamental changes in the way we were doing our own business and made a couple of pretty bold spins on my part. You know, I was really betting the farm and pushed all the chips on the table if I could mix metaphors. Yeah. And we are now um, six times as large as we were then in 12 months. Fantastically. So, yeah. 
Sure, so that, that, that's a super valuable 60 seconds. Like focus in on the vision, make sure you have absolute clarity as to what you're looking to achieve. I don't think any of us as entrepreneurs, I don't think we get into our own business so that we can struggle and pay the bills. I don't think that's anybody's goal. I think we all have the vision of a better life, of something that we can create that's bigger than ourselves and, uh, you know, being able to keep that vision in front of you and, and make those bold plays, um, knowing that, if if you stuff it up, you know most ninety nine point nine percent of the time you get another shot. Like it's not uh, it's not a wipeout, and uh, I think that's that's really solid and, and bold advice from your perspective as well. Clay, who is somebody that you model? Like who who do you look up to in the business side of things? Who do you uh, who do you have as a, a mentor either that they know about or that you that you like to read what they're doing? Well, one of the one of the mentors I really one of the persons I've really followed closely is uh, Reed Hoffman. Oh yeah who was uh, founder of LinkedIn mm-hmm. and uh, he has a great podcast. I don't miss an episode of that. I pay very, very close attention to what he says. Um, he's the one that said being an entrepreneur is like jumping off a cliff and building the airplane on the way down. Yeah. <laughs> so true. But it, but it's true. I look at him and, and then the words of, of Winston Churchill, oddly enough, are always ringing in my ear. And it just never, 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 never give up. That's it. I love it. I love it. Clay Posey is the man who is delivering the airplane kit to the entrepreneurs as they've jumped off the cliff. He's the man that's delivering leads and lead generation strategies to businesses now all over the world. You can find out about Clay at clearboxstrategies.com. You can engage with his company. He can do a a personalized profile for you and, and make sure that we've got some lead generation in place. Whatever you do after listening to this podcast, make sure that you define your own strategy. Make sure that you define and get clear on your vision. Define your customer so that you can really make sure that you're targeting correctly. And of course, if you want to hand with that, go and speak to Clay and his team at clearboxstrategies.com. Clay, thank you so much for the chance to come on and uh, have a chat with you. I've really, I love, before we hit the record button, I said to you that uh, I'm fascinated by your role because I think so many business owners and entrepreneurs struggle with filling their funnels. And I, I'm really grateful for the chance to, uh, to bounce some of those questions back and forth off you. It's been a super valuable time for me. And, and again, thank you so much. I look forward to hearing of your success. Glad to do it, Walt. Again, I really appreciate the opportunity to get here or just chat. Obviously, I love talking about this. I can't believe we've already uh, blown through a pretty good chunk of time here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hopefully, it's been useful for people that can go back and listen uh, again as they're in the car or on the way and and fill those pipelines. As we said, we we build these businesses to create better lives for ourselves. So some uh, absolute pearls of wisdom there from Clay. Again, man, thank you so much. I look forward to catching up with you pretty soon. All right, Walt. Thanks again. Cheers. Hey everyone, it's Walt and thanks so much for listening to the episodes on the podcast. We really love bringing these interviews to you and I hope you're getting a lot out of them. We've designed the podcast to really help and to engage with everybody out there. So you could help us by simply leaving us a comment or a review, subscribing on iTunes. Head over there now, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us. It helps more than you could possibly believe. Do that now and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.